Welcome to the Wake and Rake podcast. In my mind, you just wake up and go rake. It's a high drive, deep left field for Middlebrooks. Back and that is gone. Third home run of the day for Will Middlebrooks. Want a chance to be featured on the show? Follow at Wake and Rake Pod on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. I'm kind of a big deal. Here's Danny and Will. If it was my last day on Earth, if it was Episode my last three, Wake and Rake podcast powered by Swing Juice. New merch. So head over to swingjuice.com. It is the official merchandise provider for the Wake and Rake podcast. Got some new shirts. Brooksy's rocking a new hat. Yes, we missed you all while we were absent from the baseball world. So first and foremost, Brooksy, how was the vacation? You feel reprieved? Uh, it wasn't really a vacation. It, it should have been, but so we, we have that cabin up in Blue Ridge, Georgia in the mountains. It's great. There's a lake. Uh, it's great to go in the fall when it's not, you know, hot as balls. And uh, there's like wineries and breweries and good food in the mountains. It's great. It was hot and we took the kids with us. So it's not much of a, a break when, when you got a two and a three year old with you and they're not exactly happy about sleeping in a new place or riding in a car for 11 hours so it was beautiful we love the cabin up we really love going up there but next time just me and mama bear me and mama bear only i don't think i've ever told you this before but our friendship might be the greatest form of birth control that i've ever owned just know that. uh yeah I'm, I'm i'm very honest with you when it comes to the uh hazards of parenting <laughs> i'll say hazards but um, speaking of Mama Bear, I just want to give a shout out to yeah, wifey yeah. Jenny uh, getting the SEC on CBS job, head, head college reporter uh, for CBS. So fired up for her. Uh, she's been grinding, grinding uh, CBS for the last nine years. Uh, this, or this would be her ninth season with CBS. She's been out in the Mountain West, you know, out there in Cali with Fresno and UNLV, which is nice. I like going to Vegas, but just like, that's a lot of travel from, from Florida. So she goes out there on a Thursday. It's a six hour flight out there, does out there for a couple of days and takes a red eye in the middle of the night back to snap into super mom and super wife mode when she gets home. So this will be much better. It's bigger games. Um, arguably the biggest college football reporting job there is on the planet. Uh, so it's really cool to see her, all her hard work, uh, start to pay off it's really cool yeah congrats jenny and uh i mean what a star-studded lineup in the middlebrooks household you got you doing nesson jenny's doing sec and the best part about it at least for me you're going to reap the benefits by going to all these sec games but for there me you go because you I'm know a, i'm a big football guy yeah i, I do i you love the sec um, i'm a big texas a&m fan I cannot I, – I was already planning on going to the Texas A&M and Alabama game because of all the beef between Saban and Jimbo and um, with the NIL stuff and all the banter in the offseason. So I was like, oh, man, I got to find it's, – it's, I'm pretty sure it's in Tuscaloosa this year. I got to find a way to get her. Well, now I know she's going to be on the sideline, so I'll just go with her. For me, now I get to have this relationship with Jenny because I'm going to be hitting her up about throwing, burrito, about throwing burritos at students in the stands. Yeah, I don't know if she's allowed back in Fayetteville, Arkansas. But, exactly. Um, <laughs> I know some other people that got away with a lot more at Fayetteville. She'll be okay. Let's talk baseball, though, because we are at the past the halfway point, believe it or not, of this yeah. 22 MLB season, which means it's a perfect time 
to be giving out our midseason awards, MVPs, Cy Young, Rookie of the Year. We just got our all-star rosters as well, as well. So we can talk about the all-star game a little bit. Home Run Derby participants, they're trickling in. Pete Alonzo is going to be defending his derby title, the two-time derby title. Uh, Ronald Acuna is going to be in the derby. Albert Pujols, 42-year-old Albert, going to be in the love, derby. I love be taking on him. He's going to be facing 23-year-old Juan Soto. So what? Uh, it's such a – so at first I was like, the whole commissioner's picks with, with Pujols and Cabrera. My first thought was that sucks for like some young kid who deserves a spot and he doesn't get a spot, but he's not taking, those aren't taking away any spots from anyone. So I feel better about that. They're like, well, Pujols is hitting 200, you know, how should it be? Listen, this guy's a legend of the game. One of the best right-handed bats of all time. Both of these guys, both of them. And, um, What's the all-star game about? It's about the fans and the fan experience and coming to see the best players to play the game in one place. These guys are going, if they're going out, you got to have them there for all the festivities, the events like the home run derby, just the game itself, itself even if they play two innings or get one at bat, which those guys will probably say, I just want one at bat. I just want to you know, be there and hang out, experience this with my family one last time be around the fans that's what it's about man so like there's a lot of people uptight about it and, and pissed that they got that opportunity but good for the league i don't say that very often but good for the league uh and this is the right call in having these guys uh out in la next week my only concern and then i, I want to get into our mid-season awards awards but i i want to get this off my chest first my only concern and maybe i'm being a little too hesitant here but regardless it is a concern of mine is hypothetically Joey Votto next year decides it's this last year in Major League Baseball. He's going to hang him up. And the commissioner says, all right, Joey Votto, we're going to give you a free all-star appearance. You know, we, we, want, it, we, want, you, we want you there for the fans. We think it's good for the game. Now, Joey Votto right now, I believe he's going to get into the Hall of Fame. I do. Do you? But it's no guarantee. Or maybe hypothetically, if Buster Posey, before he retired, the commissioner decided to give him an all-star award. So now when the Hall of Fame voters are looking at the different players and they're comparing resumes. They absolutely, I'm telling you this, they use all-star games as a measuring stick. And so of course, but this, they're also going to know, like if this starts to be a thing that there's kind of like a little asterisk by this, like, and they're going to know their stats that did they deserve it or not? So I, I think hall of fame, I I fully agree with what you're saying. I, I do agree that like, like, is, can that be a problem? Is it like, not not trick the writers the writers know all this all, they're gonna know all their numbers it's more body of work i don't think they'd be like you know what he had eight all-star games uh instead of nine you know if you had nine you'd get in i don't i don't think that's i don't think that plays into it. i think it's more body of work as far as like the numbers i don't think i don't think it really comes down to all-star games we can transition but i, I do think it's interesting and i really hope that these uh all-star game handouts don't become a deciding factor yeah. that, that's this, all I mean, this year though like really like these are two legends of the game like I've, i'm fully on board with it i do see your side of it so i don't think joey Votto is uh miguel cabrera or albert pujol so you think he's in Votto, i i would have to do a deeper okay. dive on his numbers I, my initial say is like maybe like towards his last ballot like maybe not early on in the voting and it would depend on the class like if it was a weaker class i could see him getting it that's fair 
we are past the halfway point. Well, what do the standings look like? The Yankees are atop the American League East. Boston, I shouldn't say right behind them because they're 14 and a half games back. Minnesota atop the division in the American League Central. Cleveland behind them. Chicago behind them at 41 and 44. American League West, Houston has a massive lead similar to the American League East. They are 12 games up on Seattle. Seattle, probably the hottest team in baseball, them and the Baltimore Orioles. I was about to say, don't forget about the Orioles. Wow. I don't think anybody like, okay, so literally, like, this is the worst thing that could happen to the Orioles right now in their front office. Like, it's great. Yeah, we're winning. Yay. But, like, they were probably going to get some young prospects for Mancini, Santander, probably Jorge Lopez, because still high on him. This is the best year he's ever had in his – he was a career five before what he's doing right now. So, this is looking like an outlier year. So, like, I would sell high on him right now. He's an all-star. Um I played with the kid when he was a minor leaguer when he came up to AAA uh, with Milwaukee. Good dude, good stuff. Just couldn't find the zone, and he had issues with command throughout his career. And then, boom, locked it in this year, and he's really figured it out. I'm happy for him. But um, those are three big names that would have gotten a lot back for their organization, for their minor league system. You know, we're seeing them reaping the benefits of your young players getting to the big leagues now and playing well and starting to mesh well as a team together. Um, but now it's like they're two games out of a playoff spot. Do they go for this? Like with the extra 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 wild card spot, it's like, do you sell? Do you rip your team down? Like your fan base is finally getting excited about it again, and you're gonna get rid of your some of your best players. Um, it's a tough, tough spot to be in as a front office when you're like, man, we're getting fans at the game again. We've got a little buzz around the city about us again. Our players are starting to believe in themselves again. <sighs> beat it guys we'll try again in two years you know like that that's tough that's a tough spot to be in um for their front office lowest payroll in the league too so yeah. you're not expecting to compete but here you are mid-july and like you said i, I don't think down. they get to the playoffs um so if i'm that front office i'm, I'm gonna go i'm gonna stick with my original plans i think um because they have this built out they have a blueprint of what the next two to three years look like and that's really their window is like two years they're not gonna buy no, no, they're not going to buy. But do they full on sale, sell like their guys? Or do they keep a couple and just kind of, you know, stay idle and still try to play well this year? I'm, I'm curious to see what happens. Seattle yeah. should buy. Seattle should buy. Yeah. Right. I agree. National League, things are looking interesting there, especially in the National League East, where Atlanta is now just two and a half games back, although they did lose that first game to Mad yeah. Max in Atlanta. Uh, Philadelphia at 46 and 41 in third place. Miami's hanging around 41 and 44. National League Central, Brewers atop the division. St. Louis has been struggling. Bro, they've, they've had been a, nice cold offensively. They've hit a very difficult portion of their schedule. They played the Dodgers. They're about to play the Dodgers. Um, they have five this is, Phillies or this six. Is, four yeah, four against Phillies. This has really been a um, litmus test for them, I think, this month. And these yeah. next couple of weeks could decide their fate. Nationally West, Dodgers have just been rolling as expected. Padres have hit the skids a little bit, but they're still 12 games over 500. Speaking of hitting the skids, San Francisco, what do you do if you're San Francisco at the deadline? Because right now you are out of a playoff spot. You are not in a wild card position as of today. However, you are a couple games back, exactly two games back of that third wild card spot. But they have not been playing good baseball. They do not play good catch in the field. And they have 
they, they, they play plug and play their entire lineup. They have nobody that they can plug into their three, four hole night in and night out. I mean, you're, you're the San Fran guy. I, I don't know the roster as well as you do. Um, I don't think they're going to the playoffs. I don't. Uh, I mean, I'm, I, looking at their roster, I mean, it's not like a full, like, fire sale. It's not like that. Um, but I, I'm not buying. I'm not buying up on the Giants. I'm kind of just staying idle, kind of seeing, you know, if you do have some guys you can get some good return on. Maybe, maybe look into that. But um, like you said, they kind of piece things together. They're kind of like a Tampa Bay mm-hmm. of the West Coast. So um, even if they do get rid of some guys, don't count them out next year just because that's how their front office is, is they, they scout well, they, uh, they draft well, they, 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 they develop guys, and they, they, pick, they pick those guys out of nowhere like Tampa does. And you're like, who is this? Why, why are you there? They're like, oh, you have a 1.8 ERA out of the bullpen. That's why. Okay, cool. So I'll never count them out. Uh, I will come out of the playoffs this year. I don't think they're a playoff team. Like I said, Miami's four games back, a couple teams kind of hanging around, but really Miami, San Francisco, St. Louis are on the outside looking in, but the NL West wild card could be very interesting. The American league wild card could be very, very interesting. There's one, two, three, four. There's about eight or nine teams in the American league wild card that are within four games of a wild card spot, including the Texas Rangers. So things could be looking very interesting. Yeah, the AL wild card is nuts. It will be for the next two months. How's Boston been playing? Good? Uh, July, not so good. Not yeah. so good. Um, split with New York. Dude, they split with New That was a great split, man. Mm-hmm. I mean, New York is very, very talented. I mean, they're the best team in baseball, in my opinion, and record-wise. But um, they had a comeback. They had two comeback wins. One of them was a comeback walk-off. Um, they got to – they hit Garrett Cole well. They hit uh, Clay Holmes well. They hit Nestor Cortez around. So, I mean, there's a lot of positive things to take out of that series. Uh, but then they played uh, a team in Tampa Bay last night uh, who has 16 guys on the IL and got beat 10 to 5. So, rookie Brian Bayo, he's still kind of trying to figure it out. His command's not there. His, uh, his stuff's there. His stuff's really good. Just can't throw strikes. It doesn't matter what your stuff is, if you get behind a big league hitter, they're going to make you pay. You can't miss over the middle of the plate, 2 0, 3 1. You just can't. Um, so they have some growing pains, but they've also had a lot of guys hurt. Uh, Chris Sale comes back today. Uh, Nathan Avaldi's around the corner. He's about to be back probably in the New York series later this week or this weekend. Uh, Garrett Whitlock coming back. He's going to go to the bullpen where he belongs. So Michael Waka, Rich Hill also, I mean, they have four starting pitchers out over the past couple of weeks. So they've been just kind of filling in with guys and haven't, haven't been playing good baseball and the offense hadn't really been carrying them like they were before. So, it's been up and down. They're fucking 12, 10, and 20-something against the AL East. Like, it's not good. Like, the AL East has been eating their lunch, like taking their lunch money. It's not, not even fair. I think the Yankees are 28 and 11 against in the AL East. But the Yankees are on a different level. But they, they got to clean it up because uh, you look at, like, the postseason, the wild card stuff, it comes down to a tiebreaker. And, it, I mean, every team in the division has a tiebreaker against the, the Red Sox right now. So, could come down to it they're they're two and five against the Rays. like it's not good i'm like a yankee lover you trying to get in good graces with aaron judge after he saw what he <laughs> about him last week 
Nah, that guy. <laughs> I love Aaron Judge. I'm a big Aaron Judge fan. But how can I not say Rafael Devers? I'm Aaron's a big fan of the show. For the Red Sox, and I backed up what I said. The guy liked. I thought it was funny. Like, ah oh, ha ha. He liked it. Like he's just kind of like saying, like, hey, I see you, bud. I see what you're saying. And then he unfollowed me. <laughs> I didn't say anything bad. Didn't. I didn't say anything bad. I actually not, not welcome. spoke really well about him. I just said he had injury history. Well, you've more so referred to his age, which is a very valid argument. Yeah, like, sorry about you being 31, dude. Like, that's not my fault. Yeah, it makes sense. Maybe that's a perfect transition into our midseason awards because will the Red Sox lover pick Aaron Judge to be his midseason MVP? <clears throat> yeah, I will. Yeah, wait, of course. Whoa, 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 whoa. I think whoa, he's going to win the we're, MVP, period. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Calm down. We'll get to MVPs. We're not there yet. All right. You just asked me, will I pick him? No, no, no. no. That was a teaser. And clearly you weren't picking up what I was putting down. And now you just ruined it. it. Now everybody's going to log on. I'm in a hurry, Danny. That's why. I got to go to work. American League Rookie of the the Year. Who is your American League Rookie of the Year? Oh, J-Rod. No, I mean, it's easy. Julio Rodriguez, man. This kid, he's a real deal, dude. He is is that rare combination of speed, power, size, I think we're going to see a 30-30 season his rookie year. He's at 15 homers and 21 bags right now, right? So he's pacing out to about 30-30, more so in bags, obviously. But um, it's a real possibility. And I think he is just in the perfect place to to grow as a big leaguer, to learn how to be a professional. I love that Seattle team. It's full of young, hungry players. They were a game away from the postseason last year, so they're even hungrier this year. We're seeing it. They're on that – win streak right now they're slid into that third uh the tie for the third wild card spot um this is just i mean it's special because being on a winning team pushes you to new levels as a player because you have to hold yourself accountable you you don't want to let your teammates down you want to be the guy to win the game for your team and it just takes you to another level like think about mike trout and shohei otani if they're on a good team like, they, we would see more from them like, they're literally going out there and just trying to go two for four, three for four, or go seven innings, you know, two two runs just for themselves. Like, it doesn't matter what they do. They still can't win. So, if you put that team aspect with those good players, it elevates their game. And I think that's what we're seeing for J-Rod. Yeah, J-Rod. Jeremy Pena deserves some definite recognition. Oh, but absolutely. J-Rod, I mean, what he's been doing this year, I mean, he's been putting up numbers yeah. that I mean, we haven't look seen. At, look at the betting odds. The betting odds for yeah. you know, Rookie of the Year, it's like, Jeremy Payne is like plus 250. Everyone else is like plus whatever. J-Rod's like minus 300. Like it's not even – Yeah, according normally to, everybody's plus money. According to Vegas Insider, Julio's at minus 300, Payne plus 600, Bobby Witt Jr. plus 1,100. So, Bobby Witt's been playing well too. Yeah. I sure love has. that kid. Yeah, he raked in that doubleheader against Detroit just a couple yeah. of days ago. And yep. like J-Rod, fastest players to reach 15 homers and 20 stolen bases in his career. Number one, he's the fastest to ever do it, Julio Rodriguez. After him, Ellis Burks. How many games? Barry, like 83? 81. Ellis 81. Burks behind him with 82 games. Barry Bonds with 90. Eric Davis at 91 games. So it's it, it's ridiculous. Hey, so Ellis Ellis Burks works here at Nesson sometimes. Mm, so I'll I get to work with him every once. He's a good dude, yeah. Tell him Julio's a better player than him at 21 years I'll old. Let him, I'll let him know. I'll get on that. <laughs> hey, bud, by the way. What about National League Rookie of the Year? Who's your Spencer guess? Strider, dude. Spencer Strider, 102 strikeouts in 65 innings. That's like closer stuff. That's 14 strikeouts per nine. Um, I don't know how long he's going to stay in the rotation. I mean, he's a two-pitch guy. He's a fastball, 
uh, slider guy. He doesn't change up like maybe 4% of the time. So he's not going to mix that in. I feel like you need that as a starting pitcher, even if you do throw 100. But I think uh, was 11 of his 19 appearances this year have been out of the bullpen. They needed someone to step up, you know, had some injuries in the, in the rotation. He's been that guy. So I'm going to sit back and enjoy it as long as I can, because anytime I can watch a starting pitcher with a, uh, a 1987 porn stash and quads, the, like both of my quads combined are like one of his. He's just like jacked. Yeah, I can watch him go out there and just go 99 to 102 and blow the guys' doors off. He struck up nine guys in a row last week. You see that? Crazy. He just attacks his own. He's fun to watch. He, he's my guy for the NL. Yeah, I mean, it helps that he throws 100 miles per hour each and every single pitch. At, you know. Right. You're, you're going him over Michael Harris, though. Same team, though. Same team. Um, yeah, I am. Yeah, I am. I'm, I'm not saying Michael it's a bad Harris, pick. It was right there, though. Michael Harris is really good. I'm trying to look up. Minimum 100 innings, innings pitch by a major league rookie. Highest strikeouts per nine. I would imagine Strider's up here. Strider only has 65 innings. Well, that kind of ruins that, doesn't it? Let's put 50 innings and let's see what we get here. At 100 innings, Kerry Wood, 12.6 strikeouts per nine. And Strider's at 14. Or like 13.9 or something. Eighth all-time with a minimum 50 innings pitch. Eighth? Well, that's actually including relievers. If you go straight off of just starters. Yeah, but you can't do that because 11 of his 19 appearances were out of the bullpen. That's, that's a good point. Well, regardless, eighth with a 14.0 strikeout per nine. That's ridiculous. Spencer Strider is also my National League rookie of the year halfway through the season. That's awesome. How about your American League, Cy Young? <sighs> Mick. McClanahan, I can't even speak. It's got to be Shane McClanahan. He's, I mean, I mean, Verlander's up there too, but I'm going to go McClanahan. I mean, look at his numbers. He's nine, nine and three, 170 RA. His strikeouts are absurd too. 141 punch outs in 104 innings, I believe. Average is 97 on his fastball from the left side, up to 101. Um, but I dug deeper. So, right, I, I want to dig deeper. Like, why is he so much better? So, he was always a fastball slider, fastball curveball guy. And hitters could pick that up. Even if you're throwing 100, like you throw a breaking ball, like guys can pick up spin, right? So last year, he threw his change up 8% of the time. This year, 25% of the time, he's thrown his change up. Big jump, right? Mm -hmm. But that's the game changer for him. It's a third pitch. It's something that goes the opposite direction of his other off speeds. And the spin, if you look at it on the axis, is very similar to his fastball. So as a hitter, you have to guess. It's it's 100 or it's it's – 90 89 with run and sink but it's similar spin as a fastball and you just have to guess and it has been it's allowed him to go deeper into games because he's getting weaker contacts early in counts because of that change up in the zone so it's been a game changer for him and it's gone up what did i say eight percent to 25 percent this year yeah it's a significant jump i also have mclan as my al cy young and it's crazy to think about and that's just today's age right the last two guys we talked about spencer strider and shane mclanan their off-speed pitches still average over 90 miles per hour. Yeah, <laughs> their, their sliders and their changes. That's but the movement on it is nuts because they have the same arm, arm action, right? Ridiculous. National League Cy Young, I have a feeling we're going to agree on this one. In my Dang. opinion, like, it's not even close. Like, not even. He's not the even, best pitcher in baseball. He's like, the best with, pitcher. With, and not to mention, like, the weight that this guy puts on his shoulders every, every day. time that he takes the mound, it's not even close. Go ahead. I'll give you the floor. 
So, uh, yeah, so Sandy Alcantara, obviously. Uh, with Jacob DeGrom on the IL all year, this is the best pitcher in baseball. Um, unfortunately, I know Miami's only four games out, but unfortunately he's trapped in Miami and, and not I'm like a real contender, which would be nice to see. Um, but either way, I mean, what he's, what he's doing has been absurd. He's, he's an anomaly in today's game. Um, what was it? His last – I saw you post his last 12 starts. He had 13 in runs. Unbelievable stat. I think uh, in his last 12 starts, he's thrown at least seven innings eight times in those 12 starts. And five of those – five starts within those last 12, he went into the eighth or ninth inning. So that doesn't happen anymore. Right? You know, this is an era of throwers and bullpens being really important. And he is a pitcher in an era of throwers, if that makes sense. Um, but he also has the ability to, you know, reach back and throw 101 if he needs to. So he's a very, very special talent. But I just – my biggest thing with him is just his grit and uh, he, he refuses – he has, like, that Scherzer mentality out there. And I absolutely love that about him. And, and, and Mattingly lets him – they let him do that there. Like, they, they love that about him and they let him go deeper in the games. They trust him. He's earned that. He – it's like a, it's like looking back in time, like seeing a guy take the mound and going seven, eight innings every single time he takes the mound. Doesn't also, happen. he's doing it. Yes, he strikes guys out. He's got a he's got a strikeout per nine of. Yeah, watch watch his seven, velocity. Seven point seven. Seven. Watch 7. his 7. velocity throughout the game, though. Right. And so right. Verlander used to do what he does now. So. What Sandy does is you watch him in the first three to four innings of the game. He pitches at like 94. Verlander-esque. Verlander used to be like 91, 92, right. 93. You know, somebody gets on base, 95, 96. But you get seventh, eighth, sixth, seventh, eighth inning, he's pumping 98. And the same thing with Sandy. Like he, he, he paces himself, pitches, figures out how guys are trying to approach him. And then second, ter- third, even fourth time around the lineup, like, He's throwing a hundred. It's insane, but he's able to pace himself. And that's something else that helps him get deeper into games. Sandy Alcantara has made eight starts this year where he has gone eight innings or more. No other player in baseball has more than three such starts. That's ridiculous. <laughs> silly dude. Like, so I was on a podcast with uh, Greg Peterson. He's a betting guy. You'll see him on MLB network sometimes. And yeah. He mentioned to me, floated this idea to me, and I didn't hate it. Sandy Alcantara for National League MVP. Maybe. Maybe. I mean, right now, I mean, I'll tell you why I think who uh, – or we can roll right into it if you want, but – Great transition, uh, yeah. I I, – what Goldsmith's doing right now is pretty absurd. But I think Sandy – what are the odds on Sandy? Because it was like him, Machado, Alonzo in the top three odds. Those are your still your. Uh, so Sandy, I'm gonna guess Sandy's more like plus like 800. It's not even mentioned here, to be honest. Jesus. Oh wait, he is. He's meant plus ten thousand. Ten thousand. He's got. I might. I might nearly. put some. I might put some money. I might like throw a hundred bucks on that. He might. He he nearly has fifteen guys according to the odds here. That he has to jump, including guys like Matt Olson. What hurts him is not CJ Crone has greater odds than Sandy Alcantara right now. Come on. I mean, I mean, Crone's an all-star. I'm just saying, like, what this guy does each and every time he yeah, takes that's weird. Out. And also, I mean, being a pitcher hurts hurts your chances too. Because you only you only contribute to 35 games a year. So the Marlins are three games under 500. When Alcantara pitches, 
the team is 12 and six. Yeah. So he's literally the difference between oh, yeah. a team that is 10 games under versus three games under. Right. You know what I mean? Like that to me is valuable. Like it is it, valuable. And it that, is. that kind of goes to the Shohei Otani conversation. The Shohei Otani conversation, like this team, since they hit, you know, they had their long win streak and they were the third best record in the American League. Since then, they've had the worst record in Major League Baseball. And their team combined, when Shohei doesn't pitch, they have about as many wins as Shohei does individually. This like that to me is valuable. You know, you can talk about contracts. Yeah. It is valuable. No, like right. we talk about the whole wins above replacement idea. Like that's wins above replacement. Like when your team is trash, yet you're consistently winning. You are making them not as bad. That says a little. That says a little. You're says making them watchable. We had this shout out to Connor Braun, Josh Hook, Jake Thompson. We had this conversation in the outfield of this slow pitch softball game the other day. And a couple of buddies of mine asked me, who's the best player in baseball? And I didn't answer quite yet. And they said it's Shohei Otani. And I was like, he's not the best player in baseball because he's not the best pitcher, nor is he the best hitter. But then they kind of came back at me and they're like, well, you're kind of condemning the guy for not being tops in each one. But, right. but if you he's were really good a, at each. But if you were to have a draft and you were to pick, you know, Everybody, everybody's available. Who would your number one pick over number one overall pick be? It'd be Shohei Otani. And so they came back at me and they said, well, doesn't that make him the best player in baseball? And I backpedaled. I'm like, damn, like you got me. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good way to look at it. Cause like, who's the best hitter? Who's the best pitcher? That just has to be a different question, but best overall player. How is there anyone better? There's no one more valuable. And I, I said There's that from no the start. No one more valuable on a no daily basis. All right, let's go. But, so does that mean he's your American League MVP? No. Are we going to AL or NL? You already said Goldie for NL, right? Yeah, but I didn't talk about it. By the way, we have too many similar picks here. I too have Goldschmidt, but well, that's kind of where we're at with our with with the awards right now. I mean, it's there's still a lot to be ironed out. So Goldschmidt, I think, as cool as he'll be 35 years old when the season ended or when the season finishes this year. There hasn't been a 35-year-old MVP since Barry Bonds in 04. Oh, that's a good stat right there. That's pretty cool. Um, he's just a complete hitter, man. Like, I'm obviously impressed with his power. Like, I think he's at 19 homers and, like, 65 stakes, something, something along those lines. But he's hitting 340. And this is uh, – guys don't hit for high average anymore. Like, pitching is so good in this era, and, and hitting philosophies have changed so much that – everything is slug before contact or power before contact and just produce. Like you look at like the Trevor stories who they're hitting 220, but they have 57 RBIs and 15 homers. Like they're still producing and they're so super valuable to your team, but the base hits don't matter. Sure. They do to Goldie. And, and I think, you know, we've seen it over the past 10 days. I think there for like seven or eight games, the Cardinals were averaging one run a game and Goldie was still getting two hits. Him and Arnado were still hitting. Like he was still hitting 320 over that span of the team wasn't doing anything. So he's a good player, man. Right now he's my MVP. I would love Sandy to be in the mix, uh, but I think it's Goldie's year. I do. He leads the league in times on base. And then also he leads the national league with total basis with 192, just above Austin Riley, who was not named an all-star. What a joke. Dude, nationally third base is tough though. You got Arnado. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Arnado. I mean, it's, it's, Machado, it's, yeah. I don't think there's enough spots 
for the all-star team. I don't want this to become this completely liberal, everybody gets in type thing. But no, I, I mean, it's a popularity have. contest too. Yeah. I mean, it's fan votes. And, and keep so. in mind this, if you're going to say a guy is a bust, you have to be able to pick someone who is currently on that all-star roster who should not be on that team. Because you know, it's, easy you know how say, I would... it's easy to say, oh, he should have gotten in, but who are you going to take off? Yeah. You know how I would like to make an all-star team is how a lot of the, the, the reserves get in. So all the starters are voted on by the fans. And then, like, we'll look at Xander Bogarts. Those guys get voted in by the players and coaches. Mm-hmm. That's how I want to get voted in. Like, my peers, you the guys did. I play against on an, on an everyday basis, those are the guys that are like, he's our guy. Like, that's, that's who I'm voting for. Like, that's what would matter to me as a player. I love the fans. The fans make the game great. But you're not necessarily voting for the best player. You're voting for your favorite player. You alluded to this already, but your American League MVP happens to wear pinstripes, doesn't he? Does it? Aaron Judge? I love Aaron Judge. I do. Um, he's the best player in baseball right now. I I, I honestly believe that. Nick Shohei's on a different level, but I think Aaron Judge, what he's doing numbers wise, thirty homers, sixty five RBIs on a team that's on pace for one hundred and sixteen wins, is uh, I think that plays into it too. Being on the best team, um, I. Like like McClanahan, like I dug into Aaron Judge, like trying to figure out his numbers, like is he his heat maps, like why is he, what's separating him this year? And so if you look at the last couple of years, he was really good at hitting home runs to right field and center field, but he didn't really pull. He pulled like one homer last year. This year he's pulling the ball in the air again, uh, like he did early on in his career. Now I think he built his swing for for Yankee Stadium and going to right center is really a really good approach for a power hitter because if you hang a breaking ball, I can pull it. If you throw a fastball with today's bat pass and on plane and all that, you can take a pitch middle in and hit it out to right field. So it really just left him not many holes in his swing other than on the inner third, you know, up and in, that's where guys could attack him and get him out. You can't do that anymore. Um, and I was like, man, I feel like he's just crushing balls every time he swings the bat. So I looked up, you know what barrel percentage is, right? So a barrel per, a barrel is uh, exit velocity of 98 miles an hour and a launch angle between 26 and 30 degrees. So it's like, it's hammered. Like you see a ball come off the bat, you know when it's a barrel, when it's crushed. Um, league average barrel percentage, 6.7%. Aaron Judge this year, 25% barrel percentage. Jeez. That's nice. Last, last year he was 17 or 18%. So he's up like a lot. He's, he has improved this year since last year more than what the league averages. All right, he's at 25%. A quarter of the time he's, he puts the ball in play, it's a barrel. It's 98 off the bat or more. I would imagine his teammate Giancarlo's right behind him too. Yeah, do you think he can hit 60 homers? Giancarlo judge? or Judge? Judge. Nah, his rate has slowed a bit recently. It has. I mean, he was due for a little bit of regression, but he's on track for about 55. I was going to say mid to upper fifties. The thing is, is Rizzo, Stanton, Donaldson, like these guys, you can't pitch around judge really. Like you get guys on base, like we're going to pitch around him and pitch Stanton at Yankee stadium or Rizzo. Like that's what they haven't had in years past because one guy's been on the injured list. Right. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So they, they've been loaded, and you have to pitch to these guys. That's why their numbers are, are so good with the, as they are. So um, it's a possibility, but I'm going to say, yeah, mid-50s. I like that 55, 56. I can't argue against Aaron Judge. Yeah. 
don't and, kind of, and, and you know me, I'm soft when it comes to handing out awards. So I'm going to go co-MVP with Judge and Otani. You're so Kelly. I know, I know. But you just said no participation trophies that you did this. Okay. Welcome to California. Aaron Judge, 3.8. War. Yeah. Joe Otani, 4.2. You know who's not getting enough love in the MVP talk? Jose Ramirez. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, what, I mean, about Roth, what about Rafi Devers? Welcome, welcome to Cleveland. Okay, what about Boston? What about Devers? Judge has been a better player than Devers, as has Otani has been a more valuable player. than. No, Otani, Otani, Otani is, I mean, what's he got? 19 homers and okay. a 2.4 ERA? Since June 3rd, when Shohei Otani pitches, the Los Angeles Angels are 5-0. When anybody else pitches on that team, they are 6 they are six and 26. Dear God. Six so, and wow. I wonder where their deficiency lies. It's almost like the team isn't very good. That's disgusting. Let me, let me, let me reiterate that one more time because I actually have the number here in front of me now. Okay, when Shohei Otani pitches since June 3rd, the Angels are 5-0. and When anybody else pitches, they are 6-24. and That's terrible brutal that to me is valuable like not only is he doing with the bat not only is he doing with it's valuable but people don't look at it that way unfortunately right. like oh so, this team sucks it doesn't matter well, that's that why i'm going i'm going co mvp i'm going co mvp and look we got a few more months for one of those two guys to separate themselves but right now i think judge is just as deserving and, as and unfortunately when it comes oh, yeah. to people who vote on these awards being on a, the best team in baseball is, is going to be part of that. Hey, I thought about this today. How funny would it be? And it's probably not going to happen because of Judge, Devers, Ramirez. But how great would it be if Trout and Otani won co-MVP and the Angels missed the playoffs? <laughs> There's a better shot of me coming back and playing in the big leagues. Okay, I know you got to go. I have a future. Yeah, I got to go to work. Wait, really quick, really quick. Which of these players have made an all-star team? Quick trivia. Austin Riley, Daniel Vogelbach, or Reese Hoskins? Which of them have made an all-star team? Riley, Vogelbach, Reese Hoskins. Hoskins. Vogelbach. Oh, wait. Hoskins was in the home run derby. Yeah. That's why I was thinking. Which of these players have never made an all-star team? Kyle Hendricks, Mike Soroka, or Miles Michaelis? Kyle Hendricks, Mike Soroka, or Miles Michaelis? Michaelis. Hendricks and Kyle Hendricks never made an all-star team. Surprise me. No way, dude. Last one. Last one. You were in the running for an all-star spot for the American league team in 2012 after hitting 298 with 10 home runs in the first half, despite not being called up until May. That's impressive, by the way. Good job. Where was the 2012 MLB all-star game played? Chase field in Arizona, progressive field in Cleveland or Kauffman stadium in Kansas city. What was the second one? Arizona, Cleveland, or Kansas City? Kansas City. Kansas City it is. Ding, ding, ding. Okay, yeah. I, I know it wasn't Chase Field because two, I played in the Futures game in 11, and it was there. If you didn't have guys like Mickey Cabrera in front of you, like, you had a really good shot at it. And if you would have gotten called up, if they had manipulated that service time, my friend. I know. I know. I had, had a good a shot chance. at it. Yeah. I had a good chance. And if I didn't – I broke my wrist, like, the first week of August, too. So, I mean, I wouldn't have won Rookie of the Year because Darvish and Trout were in my class, but I had a good chance of finishing third. <laughs>
It's good to be back, guys. Participation trophy. All-Star Game's going to be fun. We'll be with you along the way. Wake and Rake podcast powered by Swing Juice. Talk to you all next time. Peace. Peace.